I'm Heather Anderson, and this is the FKT Podcast. Today, we're catching up with Wit Wisebram. Wit is a triple crown through hiker who also has several FKTs under his belt and a second place finish at Across the Years 10 Day. Today, we're going to talk to him about the shift from long distance backpacker to FKTer, how being a trail user influenced him to become a trail steward, and his upcoming plans to break a well known and long standing FKT this summer. So, let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Wit. I'm really excited to chat with you today about all kinds of wonderful trail things. So you are a triple crown hiker, through hiker. Uh, you're also a ridge runner on the AT, and you're an active ultra runner. Your long runs are really, really long runs. <laughs> like I was looking at you on ultra sign up. You've done across the years 10 day, the Cocodona 250, the Moab 240, the Scurf 6 day, like all of these extraordinarily, I mean, I think I scrolled back long enough. There were some actual 50 Ks in there. Like, so you are human, <laughs> but I was yeah. really kind of blown away by um, just the, like all your races are just these extraordinarily long, <laughs> long races. Yeah. I know you were a through hiker before you were an ultra runners, I think. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So do you do these really long races? Like, do you feel like that was like an outgrowth of your through hiking or, um, do you think they were independent of each other or explain a little bit about what draws you to these big long races? Well, first of all, like it's an honor to be talking with you, Heather. And um, I've just <laughs> looked up to you and respected you. Um, you know, I, I know we hiked the AT the same year, 2003, which it's pretty wild that that's uh, 20 years ago next year. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been, it's been awesome to follow your journey. And, you know, I ran a couple of 50 Ks and just realized like, I'm not fast enough to, to really be competitive in that. Um, but it was really after the CDT in 2017. Um, I had hiked the uh, Arizona trail that year and then straight into the CDT. And um, that October, when I finished the CDT, I don't know, I feel like I had finally dialed in some things with through hiking that allowed me to walk away from the the experience feeling strong and healthy as opposed to withered and uh you know beaten down so mm-hmm. um it almost you know I, I got back to atlanta and i just i knew i needed to spend some time every day outside and i started going to the local state park sweetwater creek and um you know i'd go on these short hikes but it just wasn't really scratching that itch, you know, I, I didn't really feel like I was in that, that flow state that I had gotten used to from through hiking. So one day it was just kind of like, I'm going to try to run this, even though I hate running, you know, <laughs> like, um, and just sort of fell in love with, with that rhythm and, and that mindset. Um, and so just skipped over the, the half marathons and marathons and signed up for a 50 K and, um, kind of knowing that I could probably walk it in, uh, in the time limit if I needed to, um, and just kind of progressed from there. But, um, but yeah, I, I felt like it was almost like honoring the, um, the experience of hiking the CDT, which, uh, you know, for me was the last trail of the triple crown. I came away from that feeling, um, sort of like, like it was like a blessing, you know, and, and I wanted to honor that blessing by continuing, um, uh, to move forward and push my limits and, you know, endurance sports and stuff like that. So that was really how I got into the ultra running, but it's, it's really just been sort of a strange interplay between the two. I don't really love racing. I kind of find that it's this really awesome infrastructure for you to be able to 
push harder and longer because you have aid stations, you don't have to carry quite as much. You have medics and people that can watch out for you. So you can really kind of let go and see where you're at. And there's there's also been things that I've learned from ultra running that I can apply to through hiking and, and the other way around too. So um, it's just sort of like a, 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 a play on each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I think personally for me, that's very similar to my journey as well. So that makes a lot of sense. I feel like I've heard that from a lot of like long distance hikers too, that have transitioned to ultra running. And it's just like a continuation of the journey. So yeah. I'm curious what got you into long distance backpacking in the first place? Like how, how did you end up on that trajectory? So I, I grew up in Atlanta, which, um, you know, is pretty close to the, to Springer mountain, the Southern terminus of the AT, um, through, you know, from the time I was probably 10 years old, my parents would send me away to summer camp in Western North Carolina for like five weeks every summer. And, oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, they just, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was there a great time. Underlying for reason yeah. for that. <laughs> I'm sure there was, um, but at the summer camp, you could like, you know, you could do the arts and crafts and the archery and all that stuff, but you could also sign up for these like three-day backpacking trips, uh, four-day backpacking trips. As you got older, you could like, the ultimate trip was like the five-day AT hike where you would do like 50 miles in five days. It was in the the um, Mount Rogers, Grayson Highlands area. And um, so that was my first experience on the AT. And you know, it was just like love at first sight. I kind of knew as soon as I graduated high school that I was gonna gonna do that. So when I was 19, my my dad drove me up to Springer, and I just started walking north, and it just clicked with me immediately. I loved it. That's awesome. Were you were you solo when you did that uh, hike on, when you were 19? I started with a friend, and he quit at Fontana Dam. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> but we had we had met this other guy who who kind of like became part of our crew. And that guy, Ben is like still my best friend to this day. You know, oh, wow. uh, we ended up hiking the whole, the whole rest of the trail together and, uh, still best buddies. That's a pretty incredible journey when you're 19. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, like looking back on it, you know, it's like my other through hikes because it was 12 years before I went back to through hiking mm -hmm. and you just have a lot more to think about, you know, when you're a little older, like mm -hmm. there's a lot, there's a lot more to ponder and, uh, kind of like take in and appreciate. I was probably kind of just like a little shit when I was 19, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't make a ton of friends on the trail. I hope I didn't like annoy anyone, but like looking back. I think it's impossible not to uh, do that when you're that age. Like, I think that's just yeah. part of growing. <laughs> that's just part of growing up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, more recently, you have been a ridge runner on the AT. And um, I don't know if our audience will necessarily know what that is. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and, and why why you chose to do that? Yeah, a ridge runner on the AT sort of functions like a park ranger, but we, we don't do any law enforcement. We don't have much like authority, which, which I like, you know. We work for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy and for the local trail club in our area. So I've, I've been working for the Potomac Appalachian Trail Club. Basically, I have 60 miles of the Appalachian Trail that I take care of from the northern boundary of Shenandoah National Park up to Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. And my job is amazing. It's uh, literally hiking that 60 miles, cleaning up trash, uh, cleaning up the shelters, but also just checking in with hikers, encouraging people. I'm a wilderness EMT, so I can respond to emergencies if needed. But it's been a really interesting experience to hike the same 
60 miles over and over and over for the last three summers. It's kind of given me a a new appreciation for getting to know like a a certain area as opposed to sort of that like bittersweet aspect of through hiking where you kind of have to keep moving. You might see something that sparks your interest, but you don't really have time to explore it. I think that's also been something that's really helped me with these like multi-day loop races where, you know, you might run around like a one mile loop for 10 days straight. It's just, you know, finding ways to appreciate that loop each time differently is kind of the way I look at every time I patrol my section on the AT. You know, there's always something different, always something new to appreciate, something to inspire you. It's been an awesome three years. This has happened to me like on my home trails, but where you've literally gone past something hundreds of times and never seen it and then you see it and yeah. you're like has that been there this entire time has that happened yeah. to you in that section okay of course yeah yeah and, and a lot of it's you know just um like like little changes each time whether it's different weather or the ridge running season up there is sort of like you get the end of spring the summer obviously and then like the beginning of fall the trail shows itself to you in different ways uh based on you know, like literally how many leaves are on the trees. Like you might have a different view or see something different, but yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten to know it pretty well, you know, I can <laughs> like, imagine. Um, you know, every rock on the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the roller coaster. That's, there's like a family of copperheads that lives at, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the shelters that Manassas it's like, Gap, right? Manassas Gap shelter. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, I can locate them within one minute of being at the shelter almost every time, you know? Yeah. Um, I do my best not to locate them every time I go there. <laughs> I just get water and leave. <laughs> it, it does have the best water in my section though. That, that pipe oh, yeah. spring is just always pumping. So that's an incredible spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, it's, maybe it's the same lineage, but those copperheads were there in 2003 because that was my first like knowledge of copperheads as I like walking into that shelter. I didn't see them, but I was told that they were there. And I was like, well, I'm not sitting yeah. here tonight then. I'm like, <laughs> so. I, I sort of love the uh, self-regulating snake ecosystems at the shelters. Yes. Like you'll have like a, a big black snake that lives up in the rafters that kind of stops the copperheads from coming into the shelter. You That's know? much and, appreciated. Yeah, and the copperheads yeah. stop the mice. So it's like, right. yeah, it's is a cycle of life there. So right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, having been a through hiker and a a runner, and you've had a lot of these experiences, like setting up KTs and things like that, and then going out and being more of like a trail steward, how has that affected like maybe your perspective? Have you had any shifts or some interesting, like maybe internal conversations about the juxtaposition of that? I think, you know, for me, it was a pretty natural evolution after completing the Triple Crown in 2017 to becoming a ridge runner because first of all on like a a personal level it was just a new way to experience a trail that i had already through hiked and and that's also the reason i love fkts i've actually never set an fkt on a trail that i haven't just hiked normally before and i i really like that perspective of of just it's like a new way to experience the same trail it just seemed natural to you know, have this desire to want to give back to the trails that had like given me so much. And so becoming a Ridge Runner seemed like a really tangible way to do that. And then once you become a Ridge Runner and you start realizing how much goes into keeping these trails open and clear and clean and that there's so much, so much infrastructure and behind the scenes work that, that goes into these things, it sort of just 
gave me a new a new appreciation for trail work, for trail clubs, for the volunteers. You know, I, I think like probably 99% of the stuff that gets done out there is, is volunteer-based work. Mm-hmm. So it was a really, really cool new perspective on the trail. Yeah, I think that's something, like you were saying, through hikers, because um, they're, they're always passing through, they're continually passing through. They don't necessarily notice. We notice mm-hmm. when the trail hasn't been maintained. Right. <laughs> but we don't necessarily think about who did the maintenance and like, you know, that sort of aspect of it until you are maybe spending more time in one spot or, you know, connecting with the trail in like this other way. So I think that's a really valuable connection a, to have. It, it's a really good feeling. You know, I'll, I'm, I became a certified Sawyer a couple of years ago, so I can actually like carry the chainsaw out on the trail and clear blowdowns. And it's a really cool feeling when like a through hiker comes through right after you just like cleared the trail and, and they say thank you and, and show appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it kind of like makes you feel like it's, you know, we're a really worthwhile uh, pursuit. It's not like a high paying job and it's right. seasonal and, and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like I, I do think that the hikers appreciate us and we kind of get to be that, um, like advocate for the trail and and also just like an ambassador for the behind the scenes, like crews and volunteers, because the Ridge Runners are really the ones that are interfacing with most of the through hikers. Mm-hmm. It's felt important. It's felt cool. Yeah. I hope to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, although this summer I won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have some other plans. That's a nice segue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, tell us about your, your summer plans, why you won't be Ridge Running this summer. Um, I'm going to be attempting to uh, to set a new self-supported Pacific Crest Trail FKT, um, which you hold right now. Right. You know, I, I read Thirst uh, a few years ago and it came out and it was super inspiring. I think after my Arizona Trail FKT in 2018, I remember the last couple of days coming into Patagonia and heading out towards the border over the Miller Peaks and thinking what's next. And it seemed like the logical next step, but it took a few years to actually set aside the time and mm-hmm. kind of like look at the uh, weather patterns and, uh, you know, maybe have a chance of getting through the Sierra without too much snow and uh, hopefully beating, beating some fires and, uh, right. you know, making it happen. So. So when you went out onto the Arizona Trail in 2018, that was where you kind of got the inspiration to maybe go and try a PCT FKT was while you were doing that? Yeah. So basically, you know, I had run like a 50 mile race in Alabama was the longest I had run until 2018. And I was up in Maine hanging out with my family. They have a little spot uh, in coastal Maine. And I knew I wanted to try the hundred mile distance and um, just you know, there weren't really any like races and I was kind of having this internal conflict where it's like, you know, I, I love doing this stuff self-supported. I love having a pack on. I love the, uh, the rhythm of, of just like being on my own in the woods. And so I just decided to go try and set the FKT on the hundred mile wilderness section of the AT. Certainly the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, I was in tears, uh, just crying. I I hadn't been there since 2003. And if I had known that there were like ways to get out, uh, I I probably would have quit, but I like knew my van was at one end of the thing. And I was like, I have to get there. There's no other option. So, um, and I think it was just about a month after that that I went out to the Arizona Trail. It's a pretty 
different experience to to do something that's like multiple weeks long self-supported i was pretty confident in my through hiking skills and sort of like the logistical skills that could make it happen and it was just like an intuition that that was the next thing i was supposed to do um mm -hmm. it was sort of like a strange thought i had even in 2017 just through hiking the arizona trail it was like i wonder if i could set the speed record on this thing and uh yeah. and then you like show up at the terminus and you're like oh shit this is real like <laughs> how did i get here you know <laughs> right yeah um, it's a, but, a that's an interesting progression 100 miles 800 miles 2600 miles <laughs> yeah 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 i really appreciated when when uh we came to see you speak in uh athens uh, a couple months ago on your book tour like it's terrifying to think about going for the pct record honestly you know i'm Mm -hmm. I'm not, um, in some ways it's almost more terrifying the more of these things that you do because the realities of what it's going to take out of you and, and the struggles are, have been shown to you, uh, you know, in a really, in a real way, you know, it's yeah. like, I know, I know what this is going to be like in some way and it's objectively scary. But I remember you kind of like set my mind at ease at that talk when you said like, it was sort of a really good reminder, like the hardest part is just showing up to the start, you know, mm -hmm. and, and once you start moving, like that's the thing that we're good at. That's what we know how to do. I'm actually pretty bad at normal life, you know, but uh, <laughs> but uh, once I once I throw my pack on and start walking, like that's that's where I found that I'm the most comfortable and like at the most ease in my in my own skin and with myself and with my thoughts over the last few years. I know that with all of the anxiety and, and uh, anticipation, as soon as I start walking, I think that, that it'll start making sense. I've always been terrified starting out. So I think that's pretty <laughs> normal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of curious what your, your process has been like. We talked about it a little bit when we were in Athens, but I'm kind of curious what your, your planning process has been like for this. I mean, have you been back to the PCT since you through hiked it in 2015? I've been out to visit some friends in like the Sierra foothills in Northern California. And I've revisited some sections up by like Ebbets Pass and Sonora Pass. And, um, you know, I've been back through Yosemite and um, some other some other things, but no substantial time on mm -hmm. the PCT really since 2015. I think the desert experiences that I've had on the Arizona Trail and like New Mexico on the CDT, are going to be super helpful this time around. The desert kicked my ass like in 2015. Um, it, it brought me to my knees. Like, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. It was the first time I'd ever tried moving through the desert, you know, and mm -hmm. before before flying out to, to San Diego, I I had this image in my mind of like the Saharan desert. You know, I thought <laughs> I thought we were going to be like climbing over sand dunes and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I, I think having a little more, you know, and the desert has become my favorite terrain to hike in. So mm -hmm. um, I think that'll be super helpful. Yeah, planning. I haven't done a ton yet. You know, I'm uh, <laughs> starting to dial in the resupplies. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful to have the example that Scott set and that you set of like no vehicles at all. I really found on the Arizona Trail that following those rules helped me connect to the trail in a way that I had never experienced where it's like, um, I spent more time, you know, you, you always get the people that are like, oh, you're missing the point if you're going that fast and stuff like that. But 
I never felt more connected to a trail than when I did the Arizona Trail in 2018. It was like I saw every sunrise, every sunset. I never left the trail more than half a mile, I think, that, that whole time you know, and just got to, got to be like really intimate with it. And so I'm excited to experience the PCT in that way. And, and like I said, I'm thankful for, for the, the example that you guys have, have set before me. So um, yeah, I, I hope that I can honor that in my, my walk. I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's a, it's an interesting level of additional complexity to add to a hike to make, make it vehicle list. I guess when I did the Arizona Trail, I did that too. So I kind of established that for the Arizona Trail because I liked it from my AT and my PCT records. And so, yeah, it is. It does make you feel there's something about like not getting into a vehicle, not leaving your feet for yeah. the entire time that yeah. does make you feel a lot more grounded and connected to. And, and it, it does add that complexity, like you said, but it also makes things a lot more simple because mm -hmm you don't, you, you know, you don't really have a choice anyway. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no choice in it. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, a whole bunch of resupply points are just off the table. Like, well, I right. just don't even have the option to go there. So, um, you just don't even have to think about that anymore. So it does simplify things in some ways. So what are your, what are your big concerns going into it? I mean, you mentioned the snow and the wildfires, like I haven't been following the PCT conditions at all this year. So I'm kind of curious, like what it is you see. I mean, unfortunately for the PCT and for the Sierra, like the snow is, has, it's an early melt. So it's looking pretty low right now, but I guess that's advantageous for an FKT. I'm concerned about water in the desert. <laughs> you know, anyone yeah, that's ever, <laughs> anyone that's ever traversed the desert knows that um, it, it frames water is such a valuable, important, sacred resource. And it, and it, helps build a different relationship to water than I'd ever had before that. So I'm concerned that uh, there won't be any water left <laughs> uh, by, by mid-June. But I also know that uh, you and Joe and Tim and everyone that's come before me has figured it out. So um, I'm excited to, to, to figure it out as I go. And I'm concerned that I'm concerned about a couple of the fire closures that are still lingering from past fires. I know Tim Olson had to make some really tough choices um, up in Oregon around Mount Jefferson. And so I've, I've been really trying to research what I'm going to do up there mm -hmm. because you have to go really far east or really far west to get around that closure. Um, and it looks like it could possibly add over a hundred miles of hiking. So wow. um, kind of keeping my fingers crossed that maybe it'll open. Yeah, um, that's pretty significant. Has the forest put any updates? Like, did they project that it's going to stay closed? No, not yet. So interesting. Um, wow. But yeah, where I Ridge run is like almost the halfway point of the AT. I think a lot, you know, a lot of people have heard the cliche that Harper's Ferry is like the psychological halfway point, even though it's not the, the technical halfway point. It's, it's funny when hikers get, when I start seeing the through hikers and, you know, some of them are, are uh, ecstatic, you know, I, I, I'm halfway through and then some of them are kind of like, oh, oh, I'm only halfway through, you know, and it's just <laughs> like, it's just like daunting burden. Um, but what I try to always tell them is like, you know, Doing these trails uh, in some ways is more about adaptability than it is about uh, planning or knowing everything up front. Mm -hmm. And 
I think one of the lessons that I've learned in, in completing the Triple Crown and, and some of these other FKTs is, is how to adapt on the go. I know there's going to be a lot of challenges and a lot of um, things that I'm going to have to figure out, but that's one of the things I love about it. So, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that that resiliency and adaptability is something that serves you well, both on and off the trail too. And it's definitely one of those great lessons that trails can give us for yeah. life. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm wishing you lots of luck. I'm looking forward to following along. Um, when is Thank it that you. you plan to start? Um, hopefully, uh, June 15th at the latest, I'll probably go out to LA and stay with some friends, you know, June 1st and just kind of hope to get going. You know, the permitting is a little tricky with the FKT because they don't, the PCTA doesn't issue northbound long distance permits after June 1st, um, oh, for really? the entirety of the trail. So I, um, I was able to get a permit from Kennedy Meadows South to Canada starting July. So I can't really outrun that. So I'll kind of just kind of have to play it a little bit by ear. I kind of found with uh, training for across the years this year, which was a 10-day loop race in, in Arizona, I, I was able to you know run over a thousand kilometers in 10 days. I didn't really do that much physical training before the race. I spent as much time with my family and friends as I could, and I tried to go into it just feeling sort of like my cup was full with like support and love and knowing that the people I care about were behind me and supported me. It's not that I'm, I'm not trying to get my legs strong, but yeah, the, you know, for a project this big, I, I, I don't think that you can like physically train yourself into success for something like that. So I'm spending time with family and friends. I'm about to go down to the Arizona border for a month and do volunteer work, which I've been doing for a few years with an or, a humanitarian aid organization down there that helps, you know, put into perspective what real endurance is. A family walking from Central America with nothing to the U.S. Uh, kind of frames FKTs as sort of like a, a parlor trick or a magic trick, if you mm -hmm. will. It's yeah. sort of de-emphasizes and makes it a little less important in my mind, which I think is a, a good way to go into it, you know. Yeah, keeping perspective mentally is definitely really important, especially for something very long. You did an incredible amount of miles across the years you were second overall was that intentionally like a training for did you were you already planning the pct was that kind of your thought was seeing how that went you know see what you could do in 10 days you know the weird thing about like all these races like the coco dota 250 and the moab 240 and all the all the prior fkts is that like and i don't know if you've had this experience but you like finish it and maybe like before you started you thought that this was like the penultimate goal of it all. And then you finish and you're, you kind of, for me, I just feel like, oh, that was more training for some abstract thing that's going to come up in my life later. Sometimes like my intuition, you know, where it's like, okay, you did this. So like, maybe you should try the PCT. And it, it terrifies me that that's like where my mind goes <laughs> because, <laughs> because I've showed myself now that like, I will actually do that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, it, it all feels like training, like, like mm -hmm. every long race I've done, every FKT I've done, um, adds to sort of like the experience and the skill set. And I have a strange feeling after the PCT that I actually kind of like know what my next three years are going to look like. And it's, uh, this is just like the beginning of a, a trilogy that I, 
hope that everything has been leading to. So I'm. Uh, that sounds super uh, intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so running a thousand kilometers at across the years qualified me for the longest race on earth, which is the uh, Sri Chimnoy 3100 mile self transcendence race in ah. New York City. Okay. Um, and so it looks like I might be able to be invited to that next year. So it looks like the PCT this year, maybe that race next year. And then I'll be, I'll be going after my mentor's AT self-supported record when I turn 40. So that's kind of how it's uh, playing out for me right now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a, that's an incredibly ambitious three years. I think that that sounds, sounds pretty amazing though. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Was, you know, we'll have to do the PCT first and see yeah. how it goes. But uh, first steps. <laughs> yeah, first oh, yeah. steps. But cool. But yeah, I just can't. I can't wait to get out there. Like I'm nervous, but I'm also really excited because you start walking these trails, and you know these these things. Like when I hiked the AT in '03, like even though I didn't have a ton of life experience at 19, um, there was something that told me that this was life changing, um, and that it would always be with me. And 12 years later, I wasn't super happy with where my life was. And there was just that little little reminder and spark in my mind that was like, five months seems like a huge sacrifice, but to really regain some mental clarity and, and mental health perspectives and also some physical health, like it's really maybe not that big of a sacrifice. And um, I'm just really thankful for what these trails have given me over the years, especially the AT. It just always seems to, I always seem to find myself on that trail when, when I need it, you know, it's, it's like a companion that's been there for me. So getting out on the PCT in 2015, I really, really needed that trail and it, and it really changed my life again to get out there and, and to get into that headspace, which for me is more meditative and, and it's sort of this like strange dance and dialogue with the natural world around me and rhythm, that for me is what it's all about. It's just sort of strange that over the years, that rhythm, the, the physical rhythm is a little faster than it used to be. That sort of opens up that dialogue and opens up that perspective. It'll be a blessing to be out there. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing about all of this with us. I really appreciate it and appreciate your insight. Yeah. Thank you, Heather. You're welcome. And like I said earlier, best of luck out there this summer. Uh, I look forward to following along. Thank you. Thanks, Wit, for coming on the show. You can check out all of Wit's FKTs on the website, www.fastestknowntime.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at yung.chattahoochee. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Heather on the FKT Podcast.